You are listening to the Summit Church Garden City Podcast. Our vision is to treasure Christ above all else and live for more. Again, we are finishing the study in the book of Daniel with chapter 12. I've entitled the message, Five Things to Look Forward to. Five Things to Look Forward to. So just a recap, Daniel at this point is a, an elderly man. He, um, we opened the book of Daniel. Remember the first chapter? He was uh, a teenager taken as a, an exile, a slave, a prisoner of war, if you may. In his teen years, he was forced to walk about 600 miles to the nation of Babylon he was held as a slave, and, and the entirety of the book of Daniel is his life in captivity. Um, that's, 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 a lot of, that's, that's a lot of years <laughs> to be in captivity. By the time we hit chapter 12 today, he's in his 80s uh, or even 90s, some say, and he is at the end of his life, and as he's staring and looking into uh, the future, as God gives him this, this awesome vision beyond the horizon of, of his life, God lets him see some really terrifying things that are going to come, that are going to happen in the future. But at the same time, some pretty amazing promises as well. And also, for you and I, if we believe in and belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, there are some things that God has on his eternal calendar that cannot and will not be erased. Uh, God has some future plans for you. God has some future plans for me and Man, some phenomenal promises to look forward to. And I was so encouraged this week as I was kind of going through this chapter. Uh, man, as it seems that the whole world is just falling apart, I feel like these promises just hit home, hit home um, just in a different way. And I know that the immediate short-term side of the future is complicated and difficult. Yeah, we may know where we're, you know, we're going to heaven. That's great. Is it in two years? Is it tomorrow? Is it in 100 years from now? Whatever. Uh, but, but the short side of the future is complicated and difficult. What, do I still have a job next week? Or is my kid going to survive this in, in two months from now, right? That, that sort of a thing. So you may find yourself in a delicate situation in pain or in suffering. But I believe with my whole heart that this passage, and I'll, I'll say it again, this passage of Scripture is intended to give us hope and strength to endure it. The, the short side of, of, of our future, but the, the long one too, right? Just to kind of remind us again of where we're headed, where we're going, right? To get to this beautiful end that God intends for all of his children um, to, 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 to get there. And, and so Daniel 12 talks about the end of time, or, or some people would call it the end times. And here are five things to look forward to. And, and I know we're, we're, we've been getting some pretty bad news lately, right? the last few years, or, and that's to be expected, because I think that things ain't necessarily getting better, and I don't just mean to be morbid by saying that, I just feel that that's kind of the case, right? Yeah, we may have a few good years ahead of us, but things will change if, if we live right in the end. Nevertheless, here's some good news. Sometimes, or many times, life hits hard, and we've taken a lot of, good, a lot of our good things off the calendar, right? Oh, this has got to go off. Maybe he had some plans, uh, but sickness got in the way. But marriage, you know, somehow marriage problems got in the way or a loss got in the way. And you had to take things off the calendar. But let me just tell you, these things that we'll be talking about today that Daniel 12 talks about are staying on your calendar, are staying on my calendar. And Jesus Christ has promised and has guaranteed that these things will stay on our calendar. Praise God for that. Now, here we go. Daniel chapter 12, the first thing, one out of five, God rescues the troubled. God rescues the troubled. That's good news. I can just kind of go on to the next point because that's good news. Because right now, the whole globe is in trouble. And it, it's, it has been. <laughs> the whole world, it seems like, needs a, to be rescued, needs a deliverance, needs a savior. Well, that's exactly what Jesus does. <laughs> if anyone pays attention, that is. John says that light came into the world, but people still chose darkness. The problem isn't God wanting to save the world. The problem is the world does not want to be saved by God. The problem isn't God wanting to rescue the trouble. The problem is the trouble do not want to be rescued by God. But God's children want to be rescued. Amen? Amen. 
So let's just read the first verse. We're just going to get into the first verse for just a few minutes. So first verse, chapter 12 of Daniel. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble. And check this out. Such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. We'll stop there. So just a quick reminder that Gabriel's prophecy continues from the end of chapter 11. So remember last week, Flo did a, uh, just a diligent and awesome job walking us through, through this chapter 11. But that is just kind of, that's, that's continuing in chapter 12, directly into chapter 12. And it's still set in the same moment in history of, of, of the future. Sorry, not history, of the future. Don't want to confuse you. Now, you think things are bad now, but this verse 1 just points to something just really, really, really bad. What this verse 1 talks about as we approach the end of history, uh, things will get worse as the conflict between God and his enemy ultimately escalates into the finality of history. This is the time, as many call it, the time of tribulation. As the Antichrist rises to power, but then we know that he is defeated in the end. And just so you know, verse 1 isn't strictly speaking about one single battle. Right? This chapter does not speak of just, you know, uh, strictly one single battle, but rather it's describing the entire period of the tribulation. And this period is a time, as we just read, a time of destruction and distress unparalleled in human history. It hasn't happened before, not at this intensity, not even close. And I think this fact alone that is unparalleled proves that the, the period described in chapter 11 has not yet happened, right? Just, just think about it. We're describing events of the past. We could say that worse things have come since. For example, Second World War. That would be a pretty good example, right? But did you notice that it doesn't say that all people will be delivered? It doesn't say that. But God's people will be delivered. And if you're one of God's people, meaning that you're on, on team Jesus, he's talking about you. So verse 1 says, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. Those are the people that are going to be rescued. And just a quick side note. This book here that chapter 12 talks about is the book of life. The book in which are inscribed the names of, of all who will inherit eternal kingdom and, and, and live with Christ for an eternity, right? These are God's people here. Also, this book of life is mentioned in various places in the Bible, particularly in Revelation, many times in Revelation. And let me just tell you how God delivers his people. But now, now we're going to kind of take a step back and we're going to see how God delivers his people in general as we see it throughout scripture. Not necessarily in chapter, how he's going to do it in chapter 12. Um, so he, I think he does so in one of three ways. And, and, and the first way he delivers his people is around it. Around it. So as you're looking into a situation when something is coming your way to destroy you or to harm you, God will divert the situation or take you around it so that you will not be so that you will be protected. I always say when we get to heaven and get a full picture of our life on earth, I think we'll be blown away how, at how many times God diverted a situation or completely took us around something that was coming our way to harm us, but he protected us and rescued us and delivered us. The second way God rescues his people is, uh, and we actually see this a lot in, in when we walk through, you know, through the Bible, Sometimes God delivers us through it, and this is a lot. This is a lot. We see this a lot in Scripture. you got to go through it to get to the other side, but God sustains you as you go through it. One example would be Jesus had to go to the cross, right? He went through it. A lot of suffering, but he went through it. Psalm 23, you go through the valley of the shadow of death. There are things that God delivers us through, but he sustains us. He powerfully enables us to make it through whatever difficulty, whatever crises, right? And then thirdly, at some point, we all come to the final day of our breath on planet Earth. We all die, right? And God delivers us ultimately and eternally, not just around it, not just through it, but from it, from it. And what we see here in chapter 12, Daniel is an elderly man, and he is at the end of his life, and he can 
see that his days are numbered. He knows he's an old man. And he looks beyond that to the eternal days that God has intended for his people. Right? So three ways. Again, these three different ways that God rescues us or delivers us is how we see God work throughout the Bible with his people. And a good thing to note at this point is that it's God's decision on which one of these three ways he's going to use, right? It's not our decision to make. It's his decision to make. But the solid rock promise that we need to keep in mind and focus on is that he will deliver us and he will rescue us. That's the promise. And that will happen, right? Now, let me, let me ask us a question. As God's children, looking at the end times, does chapter 12, the very scripture that we're in today, does it talk about a specific way that God chooses to rescue us and deliver us from the great tribulation? What do you think? Here's where there's some debate among Christians, but because I just don't have the time to present all the views, I will give you what I believe, my interpretation. And my hope is that we won't get lost in the different views and, and you know, uh, this, this time around, going through the book of Daniel, what do I mean by that? Well, who knows? Maybe we'll tackle a topical series on the end times, looking at the book of Revelation and Daniel again, but through the lens of eschatology, maybe we'll do that. I don't know. But this time around, our vision was not to necessarily go into all the different eschatological debates and views, and, but to see what God is telling us through the book of Daniel for this particular season uh, we are living in now. So in other words, how can we apply Daniel here and now in this season and not so much go in depth about the great tribulation and all the, uh, all the views of eschatology? So here we go. This is what I believe when it comes to God rescuing his people in this passage. I personally believe that God is talking about a specific group when he says his people. And my understanding is that the final act of tribulation, Gabriel is speaking of Israel as God's people, Israel, and not necessarily us, the church. So I believe that when, when he describes the great rescue at the end of tribulation, he is specifically talking about Israel and not necessarily the church, which would be us, that I confuse you yet. So you're probably going to ask, where are we going to be by this point? Where is the church at this time then? Well, I believe, I personally believe in a rapture of the church, which will happen, which will happen I believe, before this great time of tribulation. So the idea is that we won't be here for the great tribulation. This is my understanding, the way I read scripture. Now listen, I encourage you to do some reading, do some research, pray a lot, talk to a lot of people. Let's have conversations on this and let the Holy Spirit work in our heart. There are men of God that I look up to that do not believe in a rapture. It's not a, it's not a closed hand issue. But as for me, as I study more and more, I lean toward a pre-tribulation rapture view. So let's talk about it. Let's go have coffee and talk about this. So I say let's study the Bible together. Let's, again, talk about it. And, and, but let's focus on the bigger picture here, which is... Which is the promise that God will deliver us and rescue us around it, through it, or from it. Did you know that God already decided that? Now, let's just wait and see how it'll happen. But it'll happen, and that should be our focus. We are going to be rescued and delivered. Now, here's an application for us for here and now. And this is what we need to focus on. It is very Hard to make plans as to consider what might be forthcoming in the short and also the long-term future. But as the children of God, we need to define our life forward. And in a sense, we need to live life backwards. Have you heard that concept before? What am I saying here? Well, we need to see where we're going. We need to know, you know, what God has, has for us in eternity. You know, and we need to be confident that we're going home, and our home is not this. Our home is eternity with Christ. And then live our life in light of that ultimate destiny that God intends. I guarantee you with the Word of God, on the Word of God, that your life will change drastically if you do that. If you go through suffering and if you live this life in light of knowing exactly where you're going, that God will deliver you and me, no matter what we're going through here. Your life will change drastically if you live life through that lens of eternity. Now, part of the reason that people are so scared 
and, and so frustrated and so fearful, especially in this season when everything seems to be upside down in the world, is because they have no concept of life beyond this life, simply put. They wrongly believe that if this life were to end, it would be the worst possible thing in the universe. And that is a problem that is very telling, very telling about your relationship with God and where you stand, all right, in believing God or not believing God or having a relationship with God or, or not. But for you and I who know the Lord Jesus Christ and know the victory of his resurrection, yes, we want to live life. Yes, we want to be healthy. Yes, we want to live in a world that is healthy, you know, for all human flourishing. Yes, we want to be in present with the family here on earth. Yes, we want to do that. But more than anything, Christian, more than anything, friend, this life on planet earth is just the nine months in the womb. Our home is with our God for an eternity. That's our home. And God will deliver his people to that end for our eternal home around some stuff that we're going to go through, through some stuff that we're going to go through in this life, or from some stuff that we're going through in this life, no matter what. And this is the great promise that our soul needs today. Amen? And the biggest question we need to answer is this. Is your name written in the book of life? I mean, we can't just talk about different scatological views and are you pre-trib, do you believe in a rapture and all that until we're blue in the face. But if your name is not written in the book of life, it is pointless. It is absolutely pointless. So we got to start here. Now, a good question would be, how do you get your name in the book of life, right? That's, we all want to do that. Well, simply put, you need Jesus. <laughs> I, I don't know any other way to say it. Jesus Christ is God who becomes a man to die for us in order to rescue us and deliver us. Jesus Christ came to fix our greatest problem, which is sin, which separated us from God, and to conquer our greatest enemy, which is death. And believing in him and turning from our sin and surrendering to him, this is how you get your name in the book of life. It's by grace and through faith, solely on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That is it. I think that for the past two years, more people are realizing, at least I've noticed this, are realizing that, number one, they are not in control of the future. I think more, more of us have realized that. And number two, we are mortal. Oh, we, 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 we can die. <laughs> yeah. For the Christian, this is why we love and we need Jesus so very much. We know that he controls the future and that ultimately he is the one who defeats and delivers us from death. Now that is, that is incredible hope for the soul. That is incredible hope for the soul. And ultimately, church, all of this language of deliverance and rescue and is referring and it culminates at the second coming of Jesus Christ, which we are still waiting. And by the way, this is a closed hand teaching. The second coming of Jesus, it's a closed-hand teaching. If you don't believe that Jesus is coming again to take us home, I'm sorry to say you are not a Christian. You are not a Christian. You believe a different religion. So yeah, this language of deliverance is referring ultimately to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And when he comes on the clouds of heaven, according to Daniel 7, and he will deliver all of God's people from, from all that is against us so we can be joyful together with him forever. I need you to have that hope. I need us to have that hope. Listen, church. We can't do church the right way if we don't have that hope. We just can't. We need to have this hope to do church the right way in a way that it glorifies God, not just in a way that, let's just do church. Ah. So God rescues the troubled number two god raises the dead god raises the dead again we know that daniel is an elderly man now and and he knows that his days days are numbered and he gets a glimpse into resurrection let's continue with verses two and three verses two and three and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt 
And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. The big question that the whole globe, I think, is asking right now, uh, not that they're necessarily verbalizing or articulating it, but I know a lot more people are asking this question even internally, is the question that this portion of Scripture is answering, it is addressing. What happens after we die? I know everyone has thought of that. What happens after you die? Now, there are historically a few different answers to this question, and these are false views on what happens after you die. So let me just share a few with you briefly. I think this will benefit us. And the first one is what they call uh, materialism, also known as naturalism, right? And this, this teaches that you are a physical being but not a spiritual being, that you have a body but not a soul. Therefore, when you die and your body goes into the ground, there's no soul to continue, and as a result, you simply, you simply cease to exist upon death. That's it. You're done. And this is the position of the atheist. So if you have an atheist friend, this is exactly what they believe. And by the way, this position has absolutely no hope whatsoever. Right? You live, you die, you're done. That leads to just a hopeless humanity. And then death ultimately is the great victor and defeater of everything in life. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty morbid. Now, the second erroneous position that I want to kind of just briefly touch on is called universalism. Universalism. Now, there's so much of this today, just branching out in so many different, you know, different religions, different uh, worldviews, different takes, right, different philosophies. And this, this is that everybody dies and everybody goes to heaven and everybody gets to be with God forever. That's just not the case. That's just not the case. I mean, I know churches that preach this, and they're like, oh, yeah, just come to Christ or come to whatever. We're all going to get there. Don't worry about it. Like, no, 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 no. We see right here in verse 2, some to everlasting life, some to everlasting shame and contempt, meaning some to heaven, some to hell. That's what it means. We, we, we like to say, and I don't mean to be cruel about this, just truthful with as much grace as possible. But we can do a disservice if every time someone dies, we say, oh, they went to a better place. That's just not true. It's just not true. And it's not even about a place that we go to. It's about a person that we go to or we go away from. And if you love Jesus, you are going to be with him, and that is called heaven. And if you don't love Jesus, if you don't want to walk with Jesus, and if you don't want to be like him, well, then you're going to be separated ultimately from his grace, from his love, from his provision. This concept of universalism, it actually discourages people from coming to know the real Jesus Christ and to receive eternal life. It really does. It really does. Furthermore, some would say that it's very cruel to tell people that some are going to hell. I mean, come, how dare you? Like, uh, I think it's very cruel not to tell them that, <laughs> right? Like, it just lied on my face and then, well, no, 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 no. We're talking, about, we're talking about 70, 80, 90 years here, and we're talking about an eternity, that's, this, this is just a brief moment. This is just a, a snap of the fingers, and then you're going to have to put up with a lie for your eternity. No, thank you. I'm not willing to roll the dice on this. And as we are going through, and as we were going through this pandemic, we were looking for a cure to a pandemic that has affected everyone, right, and brought the risk of death. We saw that, right? There is actually a spiritual equivalent to that. It's called sin. And, and, and the reality is that we're all infected by it. We're all affected by it. And ultimately, we will all die because we've all been infected with sin. But praise be to God. He has, you know, a universal 100% guaranteed free cure and remedy for all. If you would only take it. If you would only accept it. The key to people taking this remedy, though, is telling them that they need it. Not that they don't need it right? If you've not been diagnosed with a need, you just won't allow yourself to that kind of a remedy, right? It just makes sense. The Bible tells us that we are sinners. That's just the reality. No one's, you know, I'm not, my goal is not to offend anyone. That's just the reality of things, and I'd be cruel not to tell us that, right? So the Bible tells us we are sinners not to leave us without hope. That's not the goal here, but to leave us running to the Lord Jesus for the remedy and cure for sin and death. That's the point. We're not just telling, the gospel doesn't just tell people, hey, you're, you're a sinner. 
oh, that sucks. Okay, see you later. No. The point is, hey, but there's a solution for you. There's forgiveness in Christ. There's a new life. That's the point of us being sinners, that we would just cling to Jesus and, and be saved by Jesus and go to Jesus. And what happens in universalism, it tells people you don't need to take the cure because you just don't have that problem. Yes, we do. We all have that problem. The third er erroneous position is annihilationism. That is that people live and then when they die, they just cease to exist at some point in the future. Maybe upon death or maybe hundreds or thousands of years you know, into the future. This worldview says that those who don't know the Lord just simply cease to exist. While those who know the Lord will live forever. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Again, verse 2. I mean, we can get a lot done here, friends, with just one verse. <laughs> verse 2 says, everlasting life, everlasting shame and contempt. It's not, it's not like those who know the Lord live forever and those who don't know the Lord don't live forever. They both, both of these groups have everlasting life, right? You need to know this. Every human being has eternal, everlasting, ongoing life. After we die, there is still conscious existence for all people and some don't cease to exist. It's everlasting. They continue in heaven or hell forever. That's just the reality. Number four. Reincar Number four and five. Let's just do both of these together. Reincarnation and purgatory. I'm sure you may have heard these, these terms. Reincarnation tends to be an Eastern concept that you die and come back to suffer and pay off your karmic debt. Purgatory is a teaching that comes out of the Catholic Church that ultimately you can die, and if you're not quite ready for heaven, well, that's fine. We have a different solution for you. You can go into this intermediate holding place, and you can pay God back, perhaps through suffering for some of the sins that you've done, and then be released into your eternal state, which is, in fact, not accurate, not biblical, not true. And for some, they would say that this gives a second chance of salvation after death. Not biblical, not true, not accurate. Friends, the Bible is so crystal clear about this. The only opportunity we have, the only opportunity people have, including me and you, for salvation, for forgiveness of sins, for eternal life, is while we still have breath in our lungs on planet Earth. That's it. That's it. I mean, Hebrews 9.27 says, it's appointed once to die, then judgment. Then judgment. You die once and then you stand before Jesus and you go to heaven or hell, just like Daniel 12 is teaching us. Number five, and we'll end with this, this little section from the sermon. I wanted to include this because it really, it really just rubs me the wrong way. There is a cartoon view of heaven. This is number five. There's a cartoon view of heaven. I just cannot stand this. Heaven is one of my, I think, most favorite themes in the Bible. The cartoon view of heaven is that you die, you get wings, a cloud, a harp, and you become a chubby baby in a diaper. I, I, I don't want to go there then. Like, no thanks. Like, really? I become Eli now? My, my, my son? Like, no thank you. Like, that's just sad. Let's, let me go with, like, purgatory maybe. You know what I mean? It, it's horrible. I, I don't know about you, but that's not a real sales pitch for my eternal state. I, in fact, everything I'm shooting for is exactly the opposite when it comes to heaven. <laughs> And, and man, just thinking, and I was sharing with a, with a group uh, this morning, Jonathan Edwards says this, that when we get to see Jesus for the first time, we will, we will, we will uh, oh, how, did, how does it go? Man, I forget so quickly. Yes, yes, thank you. We, we will wonder if we ever lived before. That's how beautiful he is. That's how amazing he is. And in, in, in heaven, every single day is better than the previous one. There's a joy. There's a, there's a joy that increases every single day in heaven. Imagine a billion years in heaven, and our joy is going to be where God... Where Edward says that he, God will have to manipulate our minds and, and expend our faculties to be able to take more of him and more of him. There's an excitement that you'd be just blown away by it. That's why he's got to expand your mind and your faculty. And, and you're telling me that I'm going to become a baby in a diaper? Yeah, no, thank you. The reason why people think this is true, if you go to the Sistine Chapel in, in Italy, and you look at, this, at the painting on the ceiling, it actually shows angels as babies. And this is what we... This, this erroneous teaching, uh, it was led from, from this, uh, that if a baby passes away, they become an angel. No, no. And, and all this is just built on, if I can say this, this is built on some fairly crummy Christian art, right? And it's not based on any text of the Bible or scripture. It's just not. 
why do, I, why do I say this? Why do I tell you this? Because everybody needs to know what happens after you die. And for us, and I hope for all of us here, this is amazing news. And if you're trusting a painting on a ceiling, you really have not done enough homework or have enough evidence to stake your eternal destiny on it. You just haven't. But here's what I want to say. Friend, the worst thing is not dying. The worst thing is dying without Christ. The worst thing that could happen in your existence, it is dying without Christ. The worst thing is dying without Christ. And this is a global opportunity for people to ask themselves, what awaits me on the other side? And we should be ready to filter through all this garbage, excuse my French, and be ready to share the gospel that brings salvation. That's what we should be ready to do. Now, that being said, there's a day coming where everybody, even those who are dead, will have their body and soul rejoined, and they'll be resurrected to live forever. This is incredible, and this is our hope. Church, this is the hope of the believer, and the hope is that you will receive a glorified, perfected body, no longer subject to sickness, no longer subject to suffering, no longer subject to, to the kind of sadness that we are collectively facing at times. And what it says here in verse 3 is that you will shine like the stars. Stars in the Bible is oftentimes the language of angels for angels. Stars between us and the heavens. Angels are seen as between us and the Lord. And as they, as they radiate gloriously, stars do, so do angels, so will the resurrected children of God. I have really, really good news today looking at this chapter 12. The people you love that died but knew Jesus, you're going to see them again. You're going to see them again. You, they're going to be healthy. You, you're going to see them holy. You're going to see them happy. That's Jesus' plan. Everything that stinks of death is a result of sin. And the only thing that conquers death is Jesus Christ. And the hope of the believer, the hope of the believer, the unique hope of the believer is the resurrection. It's not just that I, can, that, that I can see all the way to my grave. No, no, I can see beyond the grave. That God will one day call my name and I will come forth out of my grave to enjoy Jesus and his people together forever. That is amazing news if you ask me. Again, just want to say this again. But having this... Looking at life through the lens of eternity, it really drastically sh it should change the way we live life here and now. And number three, God rules the future. God rules the future. And right now, let's just be honest, we're at a time where everybody is trying to predict the future. Let's continue with verses four to nine. It's a, it's a longer section, four to nine. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream, How long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and half a time. And that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, oh my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said, go your way, Daniel. For the words are shut up and sealed until the day of the end. Daniel is suffering. Tribulation is coming. He sees a bit into the future as we do. And it looks very concerning. It looks very morbid. It looks very sad. And he gets a visit from a divine being, actually a few divine beings, and they tell him what is forthcoming. And, and one of the divine beings, which is dressed in white linen, which I believe with my whole heart is Jesus Christ, pretty much tells Daniel, everything in the future is like a script that's been written already, written out, and just needs to now play itself out in history. Church, does, God does not see the future as open, uncertain, 
tumultuous. No, no, no. He sees it closed, certain, and sealed. We need to know that. We need to know that we serve and we love a sovereign God. You and I look into the future and are so many times scared and fearful, but God rules over the future. The truth of the matter is that we need to be reminded that God is beyond time, but he chooses to work in time. And by the way, God knows and rules the future. Even the future of your employment, even the future of, of my health, of your health, of, your, of our nation. He knows and rules the future of everything about us. God knows and rules the future. That's what he says. And what he says is, it is sealed. It is sealed. And in that day when you would have a document and it was legal and it was certified, you would roll it up and then you would seal it. And what he's saying is the end times, the end of human history, all that God has intended for his people in the revealing of Jesus Christ, it's all sealed, meaning it's certain, it's confirmed. Those facts cannot be changed. And what he basically tells Daniel is, because Daniel is asking, okay, so I can't control the future. Yep, that's right. Um, and God knows and rules the future. Yep, that's right. And he asks, so what do you want me to do then? And this is the answer he gets. Daniel, go and live your life. Go and live your life. Go and live your life. Go live your life, meaning don't worry about the things that are out of your jurisdiction. Don't worry about that. Because, friends, ultimately what happens in the future is ultimately in the hand of God. All we have jurisdiction over is what kind of person and character we will have along the journey to our end. And that's huge. Let's focus on that. So ultimately, this is my encouragement to us today. Just know that whatever the future is, God has it closed and sealed, and it's a good one for you. And in the meantime, he doesn't want you to worry about it. He doesn't want you to be burdened by it. He wants you to live your life trusting in his provision and protection. And this is the third thing to look forward to. Isn't this awesome? Let's go to the next. Number four, God refines the defiled. God refines the defiled. Let's read verses 10 to 12, and then we'll just, we'll go for the last one, which is in the last verse. But now, verses 10 to 12. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. Interesting, isn't it? Now let me just say this. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Amen? And it's not always understanding all of the word of God. Amen? Not, not so many, not so many said amen. <laughs> what am I saying by that? Don't feel bad as you're reading the Bible. Let's just say even stuff in Daniel. We've read a lot of stuff, and, and, and you're like, man, I don't get it. I don't get all of what's going on. Daniel, who experienced and wrote it, he said, I don't get it all. Sure, this, I should say this. I got to say this. We may and probably should understand more because we can go back in history and see all the things that unfolded. Daniel didn't have that luxury, right? But nevertheless... There are things that are hard for us to comprehend or understand, and it doesn't mean they're not true. It just means that we'll know once they occur, and then it will make sense for us. But what we need to know in, in you know, uh, pertaining sanctification and salvation, we know all of that. That's crystal clear. And even here, this timing of days and such and a thousand days and this, it can be confusing to us. What does it mean and how does it apply and, you know... Now, I could definitely, I could definitely spend some time and give you what I believe with the numbers and the days, and then I can give you lots of, lots of things, lots of views and speculation, but again, we're not going to get into the detail of the end times and the great tribulation again. We had a different vision for going through the book of Daniel this time around, so the thing I want us to focus on here in this section of verses 10 to 12 is how God makes dirty people clean. And it's not just in the context of the end times. I want to just kind of take a step back and use this text to, to kind of see what the word of God says as we journey through it, right? And he uses this language of 
purify, white, refined. And the interesting thing is that this is talking about the children of God. Lately, you and I are living in a world where people are just frantic about germs and cleanliness. And right, going through the pandemic was very, very interesting. I mean, all of a sudden, it dawned on me, I know how the, uh, the lepers felt in the New Testament. Seriously, the lep- you know, they were the, they were the defiled and the diseased, and they were the unclean, and they were the contagious and the carriers. And, and anywhere they went, they had to call out, hey, unclean, unclean. And people just kind of like, oof, went around them. We all felt like the lepers, because <laughs> I had COVID like 50 times, I think, already. Right? I, and I don't want to minimize. I don't want to minimize pain. No, no. I, gee, people suffered, and I, I don't want to do that. But, but see what I'm saying by this, right? We all felt unclean, because we didn't know what was happening, and, right? We all felt defiled, and we all felt unsafe. But the reality is that this is not just a physical problem. This points to a much bigger spiritual problem that we all have. You can wash your hands all day long, and you should. And you can fill your tub with hand sanitizer. Don't do this. And just sit in it until all the COVID cases go away, but there's absolutely no way apart from Jesus to clean your soul. There's no way. There are many ways to cleanse your body, many ways to clean your car, many ways to, I don't know, clean your dishes, but there's only one way to cleanse your soul, and his name is Jesus. But there's only one way, just only, only one. And as a side note, let me just say this. It's interesting, the extent that we go to, right, to cleanse our bodies and to, I don't know, to make sure we're all clean and we stay away, but we do nothing when it comes to the soul. Isn't that interesting? I don't mean just us. I mean just the world, right? So don't, don't get offended. <laughs> let me just read you this. 1 John 1, 8, 9 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, God is faithful and just, to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How awesome is that? Again, this is really good news. Why aren't we just shouting and dancing for joy, right? Not only are you forgiven, not only am I forgiven, but when Jesus died on the cross, check this out, the Bible says that every sin you've ever committed was nailed on that cross with him, payment in full. Jesus, who knows the future, knew you were coming and what you'd be doing and what you wouldn't be doing, right? And so he substituted us all of us, and he paid the price for our sin, died so that you can experience life. Let me just tell you this. Again, I have great news for us. If we belong to Jesus, we are forgiven. God is not angry with you. He loves you. God is not punishing you. Jesus was already punished for you. You are getting adopted into a family. God is your father, and Christians are brothers and sisters. I mean, this is the best news ever. And a lot of Christians know theoretically that they're forgiven, but they still feel dirty and defiled and unclean because they never come to the foot of the cross to confess their sin, to receive forgiveness. And that is a sad thing. The Bible uses a whole constellation of words. It speaks of this defilement with various terms. It uses words like stain, defilement, you know, filthy, unclean, dirty, polluted, dirty. Uh, uh, man, I, I want us to receive this gift. That This is the point. I want us to receive this gift, this amazing gift of forgiveness. Don't we dare just walk around not being forgiven and not going to the foot of the cross confessing our sin? Why, why not? Right? He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse all of our unrighteousness, if we come to him and confess our sin. When we were going through the thick of the pandemic, again, I'm bringing the pandemic, everyone was asking, how do we find the cure to remove this, you know, virus that can defile us and destroy us, you know? And the same is true spiritually. Sin is much like a virus. It's an invisible enemy that, that we're fighting against, right? But the truth is that Jesus cleanses. And I want, I want you to hear this. He cleanses all unrighteousness. He purifies and he cleans. So that what? So that you can wear white. And we have it in our passage so that you can wear white. This is where God's people in the Bible often wear white to show that they're, 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 they are clean because of Christ. That they are made new. That they are forgiven. That's why we wear white. That they are in every way brought into the presence of God Almighty because of the work of Jesus Christ. Not as sinful 
but as saint, not as dirty, but as clean, not as defiled, but instead as refined so that we can wear white. And I, I, I want us to see that when we are with the Lord Jesus in our resurrected bodies for an eternity, in white clothes, we will, that we'll be wearing, we'll be also, this will also be echoing the work that Jesus has done internally to make us clean in his sight. And this is going to happen for an eternity. Because this, again, is going to point to Christ, our Savior. And the last one, and we'll finish here, God rewards the faithful. God rewards the faithful. The last verse, verse 13. But go your way till the end. In other words, Daniel, go live your life, right? The future is in God's hands. You just be faithful in your lane. And then it says, and you shall rest. What he's saying here is ultimately your life is coming to an end soon. And then the very end, and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of days. I love that. Now, now standing in his allotted place at the end of days is the biblical concept of something that I will call rewards by way of preface. Did you know that Daniel never sought to be famous, but he's famous? I mean, we're talking about him today. Ezekiel twice names him as one of the most famous men in all of history. And Jesus actually talks about Daniel, so he's famous, but he never sought to be famous. He sought to be faithful. We've looked at, at his life from his teen years, right, to his late 80s and 90s in our 12-week study in the book of Daniel. And what we're noticing is that he's famous, but he never sought to be famous. He sought to be faithful. The reality is that we live in a world where everybody's trying to be an online influencer and gain followers and collect some likes. And so I guess what I'm saying is don't worry and don't be consumed with being famous. Just worry about being faithful and that God determined the rest, just like Daniel's example. Why am I saying this? Because that's, that's linked with rewards. And, and I want us to see rewards here in this verse for God's people enduring, you know, Everything you're enduring, let me just say it like this, everything you are doing is not wasted but is invested. The reality is that you can't take anything with you, you know, to heaven, but you can send things ahead. It's a cute way of saying it, right? It's not mine. Jesus says to store up treasures, your treasures in heaven. That's what it means. So let me just say this. Everybody you are praying for right now, that's an investment in your eternal inheritance. Just, just think about it. And you're probably just burnt out and like, oh, I don't want to do it anymore. No, 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 no. Hey, I'm here to, the Bible is here to remind us and wake us up. Everyone that you're loving, and it's hard, and it's hard, right? Serving every dollar that you're giving to the cause of Jesus Christ, every person that you've shared Jesus with, everything you have done out of, out of love for Christ, this, this has to be there, out of love for Christ, ultimately God sees, God knows, God accounts, and it goes into an eternal account. And when you pass into the eternal state, there will be rewards for you. So let me just tell you, if you are truly saved, if we're truly saved, we will express our faith in works. That's just going to happen. It's going to come naturally. And these works will be rewarded in heaven. That's kind of the big, big overall picture. But people are very stressed and fearful and anxious. And because we put our trust in maybe the economy, which is super volatile, and sometimes people put a lot of money in the market and then, the, you know, the bottom falls out. Well, let me just tell you this. You put money into the kingdom of God. You put time into the kingdom of God. You put prayer into the kingdom of God. You put love and service into the kingdom of God. That account never bottoms out. It never does. That is secure and guaranteed by God himself, and you will be rewarded. Let's just say that you're going through some suffering and, 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 and some trials. Now, there's an opportunity here to take everything that you're going through and respond with faith and faithfulness to our faithful God. And to have that go into your eternal account from which you will reap an eternal reward. Now, you can choose to do that. And, and I say, let's do it. I will give us a little scripture from, New, from the New Testament as we close our time. 2 Corinthians 5.10, and it says this, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. That's rewards, church. That's rewards. Now, Daniel didn't get his rewards in this life, and we shouldn't seek rewards in this life, because we may lose them up there. 
And those are the better ones, way, 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 way better. But he got rewarded in his eternal life. And so many Christians feel that it's so unfair what God is allowing in their life and because they have it so hard, oh, my job, oh, this and that. And, and I don't want to minimize your pain. But if you ever feel that's you, I would strongly recommend that you come before Christ in prayer and ask him to give you a bigger perspective. One where the eternal reward is way bigger than one you're expecting here. See what I'm saying? That way you won't complain about your, you know, miserable life right on earth, but you would be excited about your eternal reward no matter what you're going through down here. And by the way, wouldn't, wouldn't it just be such a waste of suffering if we suffered without having this eternal perspective? Oh boy. And we would complain a lot. And at the end of it, just to find out that you lost your reward, you suffered here, and you lost your reward. Well, that sucks. I'm sorry to use that kind of a language in church. Because we can lose our reward. That's why our responsibility, church, is to be faithful no matter the circumstances. And live life again in light of eternity. And not to be angry at God and with why he's allowing certain things in our life. In other words, you can't change what happens to you, but you can change your attitude. And your attitude will determine your reward. And the way you react to life. Now, everything you're going through, I'm sorry for. But it is an investment in the internal reward that God has intended for you. And I want you to, and I want this, this truth, to encourage you to be faithful, to encourage me to be faithful. That's why we're saying these things. To persevere through hardship as Daniel did. To pray through hardship as Daniel did. To love people through hardship as Daniel did. And I love how he says it here, you'll stand in your allotted place. God has a destiny for his people to bless them. Some will ask, what do these rewards look like? Well, we're not exactly sure. There's a bit of mystery here. We'll see what the kingdom of God holds for us in a resurrected body in a perfect world. But of course, it's important to note these rewards are all eternal. They endure forever. And I'm ending with this. The Bible says that we look through a glass dimly, right? And what we see with clarity, again, what we see with clarity is that Jesus is coming. The kingdom of God is real. The children of God will be raised from the dead, fully forgiven, healed together forever, clean in the sight of God, blessed and rewarded. Let's pray. Thanks for tuning in to the Summit Church Garden City Podcast. We hope this teaching has encouraged you and helps you live for more.